What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 11 of season 6. I'm your host, Chip Michael, joined as always by Jack Smith. And uh, just a quick PSA, we're each a little bit under the weather today, so bear with us. We do have a guest to come on for about half an hour or so, a special guest. We're looking forward to having uh, Mr. Russ Cohen join us once again. Uh, but before we get to today's topics, if you're watching us live on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and set an alert for future shows. And if you're listening as a podcast, make sure you're listening and subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can get notifications for future episodes the minute we upload them, which I think is pretty cool. Um, all right, Jack. So I don't know, not much in the drama category has happened in the last week. However, the Flyers swept arch rival, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, I know the Penguins are struggling a little bit out of the gate this year, but did you expect the Flyers to take four points out of that series? Hell no. It just, that's a good sign. You know, it's a, it's a change from the old playing the rival come out looking good. You know, really, I think they really handled Pittsburgh, a team that's power play. You thought our power play was bad. Oh my God. And they got what? Four future hall of famers on it. Um, it's it was any, I don't care where you're at in a rebuild, retool, reshuffle. When you play your rival, especially a team like the Penguins who have been handed everything, you know, and just unfortunately embarrass the Flyers along the way to what their three cups in Crosby's times. It, you always got to take care of business against them. At least give a give a crap, and to take those precious points away from them. They got Penguins fans in the hysterics over there. They're very upset, calling for Sullivan's head, calling for everybody's head. And it you know you're trying to squeeze the last juice out of a uh, Crosby and obviously the Tang and Malkin. All the Malkin starting to look like you don't have any juice left. No. But uh, yeah, but it's great. You get to get you get two there. And the best thing to come out of those game on the Pittsburgh side is like Crosby scored and then he scores a lot of goals against the Flyers, whatever, you know, Forrester's on fire. Like team just looks great. And they, through both of those games, I never really felt in danger of the Penguins. Like, like even the goals they scored felt like I'll have that going. They just threw it on net. You know, it wasn't like some tic-tac-toe kind of play, like the Latang goal, you know, it was like, there was no, like they really couldn't get anything going. And, Special teams truly prove that. That was a big difference in these games was the difference in the special teams. And, uh, yeah, a couple of overtime shootouts and whatnot. Uh, overtime goal was great. It was it was great to see. You, everybody you wanted to score essentially uh, either scored or had a lot to do with the scoring. The second game, I mean, the first game was fun. They won in the shootout. Forrester got that the shootout goal. Um, the second The second game was fun. It wasn't the most clean game. A uh, lot of, uh, I think, uh, primo scoring chances for the Penguins where Carter Hart looked like a star uh, on Monday night, um, which hopefully we see that more often. Uh, not that we haven't, not that he hasn't played well, but in that game, I mean, he didn't make, maybe he had one or two, tough saves, but every point blank shot the Penguins had, he was square. And the puck either hit him right in the chest, right in the pads. It, there was almost no effort for him because he was in the right spots. We have Slaypool checking in. I'm here, boys. Excited for tonight's show. Yeah, we're excited for tonight, too. Thanks for hanging out, as always, Slaypool. But uh, 
yeah, Carter Hart really stood out to me Monday night. Uh, and you, you, so Jack, remember the days where, you know, the Flyers were, uh, you know, putting up 40 shots on goal against like Henrik Lundqvist and mm-hmm. the, the Rangers somehow steal two points or whatever. And we're like, man, if only we had a goalie, you know, we need a goalie that could steal us two points, yada, yada. That was Monday night. Carter Hart stole that game for the Flyers. Um, in my, I mean, they, they played well enough to win the game in overtime. I'll say that, but they could have easily lost that game and maybe by multiple goals. Um, I'm not sure if the chances looked as good as they did on TV, but there were times where, you know, if, if the shooter put the puck in the right spot, if he could have picked his corner that we could have been talking a three, one, four, one game, whatever. Um, so I was, I was extremely impressed with Carter Hart Monday night and, the Flyers have a guy that can steal two points for them. And, uh, you know, I don't want to leave Sam Erson out either because he played very well in the first game against the Pens. I think that was a 4-3 shootout win. Was that correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, he he played very well also. And uh, it looks like they have a one-two punch in goal. Um, I wanted to touch on Erson because he had a shaky start to the year. And kudos to the Flyers for kind of keeping him up, not sending him back down with, you know, yo-yoing the guy, whatever. Um, and they kept him up, and he's found his form. Maybe he just had to get used to uh, being a backup, playing once a week, things like that. And uh, all of a sudden, Jack, the Flyers have that one-two punch in goal. You know, um, a guy that we're going to talk about uh, it, it, when when Rush joins us. But Tyson Forster is also also come on, and you know, kind of we've been talking like the kid's playing well. He's playing well enough to stay in the lineup. You can't take him out the goals are going to come and we're seeing that now, Jack, right? I mean, this is it with the big conversation when you talk about how Morgan Frost keeps getting benched and what's not. And towards his comments were pretty telling. Uh, not only did he say something we're probably going to bring up in a little bit, but when talking about Forrester, he said he almost called out everybody who had issues with Frost being out, but Forrester staying in the game and saying, or the lineup rather, and just basically like they're coming. It's what we said. Like he score, he's scoring and they're coming. They're starting to come. And he already has done everything else right. That's why he stayed in the lineup. And I'm paraphrasing. Um, but, and he's done it at, for his age and at a pretty impressive rate. Uh, and the only thing that was missing from his game was the goals. And now they're coming. So like, it's really looking good for Forrest right now. Torts is very, very impressed and kind of answers some of our questions as why he wasn't being pulled from the lineup. And that's why he was doing everything but scoring. And we all know this goal scorers are streaky. And when they, the one gets through, they tend to come at bunches. Well, we're starting to see that. And yeah. it's, it's what better could you ask for? Absolutely. And uh, Dave checking in here, Dave, thanks for hanging out as always, man. Uh, here's his comment. Forrester's playing great. I think the issue is, can he get his own shot? Like TK gets his own shot. And first off, when I'm not sure watching TK on TV does him justice. And we were talking about this in the group chat. And I might, I might be crazy. I don't know. If you guys see it, if you don't see it, let me know. When I watch TK live, he's on another level from any other player on the Flyers roster. Uh in, in every facet, just the way he moves, the way he skates. He's on he's another tier player. He's a guy that can create his shot. He could score, pass, um, bust his ass. He, I mean, he does it all. And it's crazy to talk like this because, right, Jack, like three years ago, it's like, well, can he do it in the playoffs kind of thing? And we'll, we're <laughs> going to see. 
But uh, watching him live, he plays like a star, in my opinion. He stands out like a star would stand out. As far as Forster being able to create his own shot, I, I'm not sure that was ever part of his game unless he was playing, you know, lesser talent. I don't think he can move that way. I mean, you saw a couple goals, I think, last year where he kind of did create his shot on the rush in transition. Carolina comes to mind, the goal against Carolina. If you want to go back and look it up, I think it was his first goal. Uh, and then the goal he scored against Minnesota, I think he created his own shot. I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that consistently. Like it'll it'll happen once in a while, but nowhere near Travis Konechny. He just doesn't move the same way Konechny moves. Like Forster, I would actually say can be slow. Like he hustles and he busts his ass, so he makes up for that. But he's on the slower side, in my opinion. What do you think, Jack? No, absolutely. But that does that's not to say that he can't figure it out like eventually yeah. some way. Like if you look at the trajectory of Konechny's uh career. It didn't start off the same way. Look how much money he's making. People didn't like that deal when he signed it. I'm not saying everybody. I I did. That was the idea, though. You get him at a deal like that, and he grows into it and becomes a bargain. Well, it's certainly a bargain now, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen overnight. And Jim, I know you knocked him for not scoring in the playoffs, and it hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity. But like you really, you don't do something until you do it. So. He's got to do it, and he's got plenty of time. He's so ahead in every other department right now, and this, the organization and the coach has his back, which is fantastic, as long as he doesn't fall off, which I don't see that happening at all. Maybe a maintenance day here or there. Knock on wood, no injuries. Um, so I, he's got plenty of time to figure that that stuff out. Let, it, let everything else develop. Let him get everything else down at an NHL level, and then we'll see what happens. For sure. And let's bring our guest in. Mr. Russ Cohen. Russ, how are you? Good, Jim. How are you? Doing Jack, pretty well. You? So, perfect timing, because we were talking a little bit of Tyson Forrester here, mm -hmm. and we have a question. So, we want to talk about your article, obviously, mm -hmm. um, but there was a question from uh, Dave in the chat here. He said, Forrester's playing great. Uh, Dave wants to know, is Forrester the type of player that can create his own shot? Yeah. Yeah, he can. He um, What he's starting to do is what he used to do in juniors and that is create that shot like our left side when we're watching him because he's a left shot and shoot the wrist shot not a one-timer for whatever reason i think because he felt like he was on the power play he had to shoot the one-timer but now i think he's realizing yeah all right you know what i've got a good wrist shot let me just go with that gets off the stick quicker nobody's blocking it he's not missing the net so that's that's a big difference that now he's getting to do that at the NHL level, especially like on the power play. Like you, you scratch your head. Why it wasn't the case all year. Like there really wasn't a better shot option on the team. I think the team had to know that. And of course he may not have had the, uh, all the confidence in the world at that point, but they could have pointed him in that direction. It just seemed weird that it took that long. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, very fair. It seemed like they had a, a couple things that didn't really make sense. So, you know, hopefully forced to putting the puck in the net a couple times here starts to make things click. But um, so it took him a little while to get going. Mm -hmm. And by all accounts, it sound it sounded like the the coach and, uh, you know, people associated with the team, you know, kind of had Forster's back like he was playing well. Mm -hmm. It was just a matter of time. Did you see did you see the same things? And 
Uh, what have you seen uh, throughout the season? I mean, he's a, he's a player that's, I think, in, improved as the season's gone on. Have you seen similar? Yeah, I mean, so few things. I mean, if he was going to go like another five games without a goal, I'd have sat him for a game and just have him watch. But it didn't do that. So when he started picking up steam a little bit, I was like, okay, I guess that, you know, was a point where it was going to click in for him. And that's fine. I mean, the fact that he's a big, strong kid makes torts like him more than some of the other prospects, fair or not, and probably not fair. Uh, and so he got that extra chance that like an Ali Lixell will never get uh, mm -hmm. as an example, because he's a smaller guy. And so that's something where, okay, he got that chance. It definitely helped him. It helped him develop. But I also think uh, when he was getting the right spots on the power play, and at least he was getting some, some, um, he had gotten like one or two power play assists and a couple five on five, even before the goals. I think that added to his confidence and I don't worry about his skating. I don't know who's still worried about his skating that those skating reports are like probably four years old or three years old. I, I felt like by last year, it really wasn't an issue. Yeah. I mean, he, he busts his butt out there. You could clearly yeah. see, you know, he makes up for any deficiencies with his work, work ethic, which is, which is great to see because I, yeah, I wasn't expecting, you know, that kind of thing to stand out for Forster. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we're both a little bit under the weather, so you're going to have to pardon oh, us. Oh, sorry, bit. guys. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, we had a couple more guys we wanted to talk about today. And yeah. um, let's get to two of them in Denver Barkey and uh, Oliver Bonk. They are both invited to Team Canada's uh, tryouts. Yep. What can you tell us about? I mean, let's start with uh, Denver Barkey first because it feels like every other week these guys are putting the puck in the net or they're doing something fun where you know somebody's retweeting a highlight from from Bonk or Barkey. What can you tell us about Denver? Yeah, Barkey I think mean, Barkey's so a, a high-paced, fast guy who can put the puck in the net. He could also set up plays. He's a dangerous scoring threat when he's out there. He's a smart kid. The only thing is, is Canada's got a lot of that, and you know Canada. This is like a little bit of a weaker Canadian team um, for me. So I worry about a guy like Barkey. Like, let's just say they go with Celebrini because he, even though he is younger and they don't generally like that and they have shunned some stars in their first times out, I don't think they could afford to do that now at Celebrini. So let's say they go with Celebrini and they decide at some point we've got to work in a couple of grinders here, a couple of role players. That's where Barkey could – could kind of miss out. It's not because he's not good or there's a lack of talent. Just getting to camp is always a good thing, but I could see him getting edged out. Now, Bonk, I could see making the team. Bonk is, you know, terrific defenseman, great skater, really good with his positioning, does have some physical edge to him, probably would use more of it in the, uh, in the world juniors, has added some points, you know, Points he'll get. Goals, he's gotten some goals lately. I don't know how many goals he would add, and I'm not sure he's going to even, you know, get power play time there. But uh, as far as on that team, yeah, I could see him, you know, breaking the top four. But if he doesn't, even if he's top six on Canada, there's no there's no shame there. So I think I think Bonk is, is more of a definite. So here's a question for Bonk, because when they drafted him, uh, I was under the impression that this was not a guy who was going to put up a lot of points at the NHL level. He was going to be more mm -hmm. of the defensive kind of guy. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I would – you know, uh, I don't think he's a defensive defenseman. Uh, what I do think he is is that a, a really smart puck-moving defenseman 
who has a really good first pass that on a lot of times will turn into a scoring play. Mm-hmm. And so he does put up assists. And we did interview, uh, when I forget his name, guy who does play-by-play for them last year on, on Locked on Flyers, our show. And and he did echo that. Like, that's what he thinks he'll do too. You know, if he gets some goals here and there, hey, that's that's just a bonus. But you're really looking at all the other stuff. And all the other stuff is good enough that, you know, he should be a second-pairing guy at least in the NHL. I don't think he's a top-pairing guy. Hey, you need second-pairing guys. So that's, oh, that's yeah. Perfectly <laughs> They're very valuable. Yeah. Did you have something there, Jack? No, that was the question I was going to okay. ask based on it, based on his draft position and what we're looking at now. It's, look, I I don't know if I call it a steal because he does seem like a first round uh, defenseman, but just where we felt we were at him at the stage. No, he was he was he was definitely a, a first round guy, um, and I do think, you know, you would say you would never use the word steal unless yeah he's a top pairing guy, but. If he gets to play 200 games at the NHL level, it's a hell of a pick. And that's what you would say. Yeah. Um, If he turns into a second pair guy that can, you know, flex into the top pair once in a while, I'm perfectly good with that. I was just curious because I'm seeing 40 points in 67 games last year, and then he's point per game this year, 28 points in 27 games, six goals, which I didn't expect to see that. But um, No, but it's, you know, London's got a high-powered offense. Uh I'm not sure if he's on the power play there. Maybe he is on the second power play. I'm not even sure because I just kind of watch, you know, a lot of video on him, but not yeah. full games. Uh, but I would say he's going to get more points there. But still, even on a Flyers team, even if he is a non-power play guy, which I think he would be, he'd still get 30, 35 points. And that's valuable considering the kind of defense that he would bring as well. Okay. Um, yeah, admittedly, I wanted to ask about Bonk and Barky because these are two guys I haven't watched uh, much uh, film on at all this year, and they're having good seasons. So, you know, two guys wanted to ask about. Well, and, remember, there's Cernic too. I think he's going to make it. Oh, but, man, I'm excited for Cernic. But, you know, Germany hasn't put out their roster yet. So, yeah. He, I don't he's know if he's a guy that can have a big him. role. On, he could have a decent role on that team. He's He's fun. Have you had a chance to watch him? I've watched a little bit of him, you know, away from like flyer stuff in camp. And yeah, yeah I like, I, I think his skating's really good. I, I like his stick and puck control. Yeah. He, he's a, a smart guy for sure. And yeah, I think in a, in a tournament like the world juniors, he's going to get lots of opportunity. And so he could really, you know, open some eyes, maybe even for, you know, for flyers fans in, in this tournament. I think, I hope so. Uh, he's playing very well, uh, at least from what I saw. Um, and we have uh, Paul Pollock. I don't know if, if he had the opportunity to meet him, but the second they drafted him, he said that's a steal right there in the fourth round. I guess he watched him uh, last year or whatever, but uh, give a shout-out to Paul there. So the yeah, He knew the, more about him than I did. I mean, there's only so many guys I can keep up with in the yeah. draft season, you know? So I did – you know, to be fair, I did most of my work after they got him. I knew yeah. a little bit about him, but if he wasn't in my, like, top 75 that I hand into – uh, you know, EP ringside, sure. then I I don't give him a ton of work. Yeah, understandably. Um, all right, so the last guy tonight, uh, maybe the most excited, uh, pl- the most, the player I'm most excited to talk about maybe is Zeev Bouillon. And you just put out an article, I think it was Elite Prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually watching Zeev uh, the last couple of weeks and 
I, I love what I see from from this kid. 17 years old. What, what do you think about Zeke Williams so far of uh, Denver? Yeah, really smart kid. You know, Shy's brother. I mean, Shy's got some good gifts too. I think that he's definitely moving up in the first round. I, I think you'll start to see that in newer rankings from places. I think um, even he talked about how he's been much better this year. So if they were counting that like U17 where he wasn't great that season, fine. But, you know, this is his draft year and he looks really good. He's a smart kid. He's a good skater. He's got an excellent first pass. He's another guy that you're not looking to get like power play goals and such, but you're looking for top play, smart play, physical, you know, wants to run through guys if he can. And, you know, you saw that quote, right. And, and so, yeah, and he was a a running back. So like he, you know, he played running back in football. So he's, you know, he's got that vision. He said he used to love running through, through guys to get to the end zone. So he's got that right mentality for the position. I think he'll be uh, right around the top 15. And based on the way the Flyers are doing, that's probably going to be right around where they're picking. So, yeah, they could get this guy. Now, I have to present the other side, though, or it wouldn't be me. And the other side is I really like Sheev, but if the Flyers were really not doing well and got into the top 10 – you know, if you could get an Artem Lashunov, a guy who's a point a game in college yeah. as a true freshman, you know, he's better. There's no slight to Jeeve. You know? Right. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not sure how accurate the stats are here on hockey DB for uh college hockey. This has Zeve at 21 points in 16 games. Is that is that not correct? So, uh, sometimes well, I see the stats not match up on different sites. Yeah, you have to for him, um, well, for Denver, the last time I did him, he wasn't over had... a point. Wait, 21? Yeah, he was not over a point a game. Now, I okay. know he was on a point streak. He had, had like some cushy matchups, too. Yeah, he had some in eight-game streak. So is it possible? I guess it's possible. But a lot of places had his height and weight wrong, too. Okay. Uh, he's not 6'2". He's six foot. But he did yeah, grow. He's listed 5'10 here. So, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe so they're, to they're behind. And then if you actually go to Denver's site, of all places – they're wrong. They have him at six, two. Yeah. That's funny, but he's six foot. And so that's something that, you know, shouldn't be of concern, but it's crazy that, you know, like if you write an article about him, you go to the wrong place. You're going to, you're not going to know what his real height is. I had to ask him. (laughs) One thing I learned is never go by the, the school listing. And uh, I learned that myself when I was in school, uh, they, I played soccer in college and, uh, I told him 5'10", they wrote down six foot. I, I told him I was 165, they wrote down 180. Drafted into the MSL. He gave you those couple inches that you might have needed to, to make yeah. that happen. That's why. Well, I always thought, okay, this is for, I guess, the other coach to see, you know, okay, this this guy's actually a shrimp, but he's listed 180. So, maybe, you know. Yeah, but you understand, like, going into the draft, they lie about certain guys' height, too. Yeah, teams yeah. do. And definitely NHL teams do, I was told by somebody who's with a team that they fudged a few. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, that's, that's been known to happen. For sure. Um, All right. Great stuff there. I think we had one more question. We didn't, uh, we didn't let you know, but I'm sure you already know. So Cole Iserman was left off the uh, United States uh, tryout there. You want to talk about that? What happened there? Yeah. I look, Cole Iserman is an offensive whiz. Uh, What could be happening here is, he falling victim to 
when this team is sort of like putting the camp together, saying, well, who are our two-way guys? Where's Eisenman going to play on this? And, you know, so a lot of times teams look at the older players and give them the, you know, the top six spots. So then it's kind of like, okay, well, where are we putting Eisenman now? Personally, I saw Eisman play on the fourth line to start the year uh, with the NTDP. Then they moved him up to like the second line. I think you could play him anywhere in the lineup. I called him like a Micah Parsons offensively where you can move him anywhere and he'll play anywhere. Now, defensively, he is missing a little bit. And so if they feel like, hey, we've got enough offense here and Cole will be there next year, but he's just not tight enough on defense. I mean, I'll give him a pass. I've, I've, I've really stopped complaining about teams leaving off guys because every team leaves off guys. Every team you go to, you can read an article. There's two or three guys that you could argue about. Uh, and I do understand it's about like the team concept of building a team through this roster, not so much having the best players. Now, if it's me, I still want Iserman and camp so I could evaluate them because you never know if there's an injury, but he's still going to be on the short list. And there still could be a last minute NHL team that says, Hey, you know, maybe Arizona says, Hey, you know what? Changed our mind. We'll let Logan Cooley go. Probably not going to happen, but there's always that chance that something like that happens last minute too. So just because a guy's not a camp, I've learned not to fully count them out because all it takes is an injury or two. And all of a sudden they get an in, you know, they're, they're in there. Um, here's a question for you because yes. I haven't watched too much of Cole Eisman. I know he's putting up good numbers. He's got 10 goals, nine games for the U S national development team. If you had to, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, uh, the spot too much here. Do you have a, like a player comp for Cole Eisman? I don't really have it fully. I'm not a big comp guy. I will tell you that I generally don't. Um, I don't have it fully worked out on him yet because, you know, like I said, I don't think, what I'm seeing now is what he's going to be in a year. So, you know, it's hard because, you know, he's, he's got good size, he's got excellent speed, and he's got a motor that just won't quit. And he knows how to create offense. So, you know, like I think, you know, when you look at him size-wise, he might look like one of the Kachuks, but then, you know, he's faster, but he's not tough like them. He's, you know, he's not a wallflower or anything. And he, you know, so there's, I have an incomplete on that part of it because, and again, there's a lot of players that that are coming out now that are really uniquely different than what you can match them up to uh, from players of yesteryear. You know what I mean? Just because you are getting now really big guys that are fast and can score goals and crush you in the corner too. And, you know, there used to be some guys like that in the NHL. I think the numbers increased. So, I think it makes it harder too to do comps now. Yeah, I would agree. I figured I'd give that a shot. I forgot you weren't a big comp guy. I think you said that's that all right. No, I before. mean, I know that people, you know, sort of ask and want to know. And yeah, there's there's nothing that really hits me right this minute. But like I said, and I think those numbers are bigger than what you said. Um, he's really, you know, dominating pretty good. This is where you want to maybe look on uh, in a different place for the stats. He. Let me see what we got here. Yeah, right now, like on the USA Hockey website, he's got 41 points in 21 games, 25 goals. Okay. <laughs> this is definitely not uh, – It's a little right. different. 
Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and just to give you an example, uh, in his last one, two, three, four, five games, he's got uh, like four goals and seven assists. Oh, wow. He's putting up uh, Caulfield numbers. Yeah, he's putting there. up massive numbers. And he's a foot shorter, too. And some of these <laughs> yeah. and some of these are against, you know, like universities. So it's not all at the age, you know, at the USHL level either. And he's already a six-foot, close to 200-pound guy. So, yeah, he's a hard-to-cover guy. So, But, again, I'll wait and see what, what, what the U.S. team is going to do about this and – Maybe he even does get invited on the back end. That's always possible. Yeah, he, he should be there. That was a little – I mean, I haven't watched much, but you, you you talk about his numbers and you're like, how can you leave this kid off? Not even yeah, bring him I mean, to tryouts. Yeah, I mean, here he was September 26th, USHL forward of the week. Uh, trying to see what else they've got on him that might sway people, but – but even last year, like, you know, last year for the uh, for the U18 appeared in 20 games, 26 goals, six assists. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's last year. So set the NCDP record for most goals in the U17 season. So, I mean, I can't give you an answer why, but I think what I gave you is mostly why. Yeah. And he's going to go to BU. So, of course, the rich get richer. <laughs> of course. Any chance he goes above Celebrini or you got no, he's there's no chance he goes above Celebrini. I could tell you there's some outlets that might drop him more than me. Uh, he's staying second for me all year. Uh, I know Demidoff is is another guy, but that's fine. I, I still think he could be better than him long term. I think it's going to take longer. I think Demidoff is a little more intriguing right this moment in okay. time, so that's fine, but again. I don't think there's that much difference between the two. So two, three, whichever is where, that's fine. But I think there are going to be some outlets that drop him maybe a couple more slots because, hey, he's not at USA camp. He's not in the World Juniors. He doesn't play good defense. You know, they're going to start finding these little things to do. And it's like, okay, but, you know, just remember what happens when the guy plays. Like, right. you know. So they could actually play, use that against him. So they could use that against that's kind of that's kind of crappy. We'll see. It, I'm just I'm guessing what might happen in the future. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm trying um, to predict the future here, which is hard. <laughs> that's what you do. That's what we do, right? Um, Jack, any any questions for Russ? So I read your article. I just real quick, I know you only really touched on USA, Sweden, and Canada, and I know there's more coming in, but would you say at this stage, uh Team USA is your your favorite right now? Yeah, right now I'm leaning towards them, though Sweden is really strong. That top pairing for Sweden with uh, Sandine Pelica and Tom Willander, who's already looking great in college, uh, that's a tough pairing. And they've got some really intriguing offensive players. But, yeah, the U.S., I think, has the best defense. And um, as much as Augustine is definitely the guy they lean to to be the number one, Jacob Fowler is, I think, in the future, maybe even this year, is better. And so I think there's a chance, and I wrote this, that he could win the number one job. Uh, I forget what his save percentage is in college right now, but he's an interesting guy. If you have a minute, I'll tell you about him, only because I felt like he was getting a raw deal at the draft last year. So let's see. Jacob Fowler with BC. 
we got all the time in the world for you, Russ. So take it, take okay. your time. <laughs> uh, we'll it be depends where my internet is, right? Drafted by uh, the Canadians, if anybody's interested. Yeah, he uh, he's got a ninth. 9.30 save percentage, which is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> pretty good. 1.81 goals again. So here's, here's the thing with Fowler. So last year, going into the draft, like this guy won a USHL championship. He did everything you needed to do as a USHL goalie, and he wasn't drafted on day one. Hmm. He called me on day two. I had left a message for him, but he got busy with the USHL stuff and the draft. And he called me on day two, maybe like 20 minutes before the draft started again. And I got a quick article up and got quotes from him. And what I found out from him, but also was surmising is there were people that felt like he was a little spongy, right? Like he was like carrying some extra weight as a goalie. But, you know, my feeling is guys are you in the USHL, like he's not even in college yet. Maybe he wasn't eating right. Maybe he wasn't doing this right. Maybe So when he spoke to me, he already was telling me about what he was doing training-wise that was different, totally different. You know, he had won a championship. He's got this confidence. He already has, you know, he was telling me everything I wanted to hear. So I knew whoever drafted him in the second round was getting a potential steal down the line. And so when people say, well, the Canadians, who the hell – why could they, you know, why are they getting rid of Jake Allen and, you know, Montebleau gets a couple year deal because well, they're going to wait on Fowler. They know, they know how Fowler, how good he is, but they can't predict how long he'll stay in college. That's all. So this guy has a lot of potential and he really does everything right. And the only thing in question was, was he going to get in better shape? And the same thing that I told people back in the day when Drew Doughty was drafted, because they were calling him fat. Um, <laughs> And he was carrying extra weight. He figured it out, and so did Fowler. So, uh, I, you know, and again, it's, you know, you got to remember where, where a guy's from, what he might, you know, eat. You know, never, not all of us have any idea. I, you know, what I ate as a 17-year-old was crazy, right? My metabolism was crazy. Uh, but these guys are trying to be elite athletes. So, you know, when everything gets scrutinized, then they realize, okay, I've got to, you know, do this once the right people tell them. And I think they started to tell them. Hmm. I'm wondering, are they concerned with potential injury risk or, or something like that when it comes? Cause he's, I mean, he's going to be projected NHL hockey player. Like he's not going to be fat. Like what's no. the, what's the worry there that he could potential. Uh, the worry there is like just, that? he never reaches his potential because he, you know, he's going to be overweight and not training. Right. Okay. Uh, I guess. Uh, uh, and that's already blown to hell. Yeah, I, I guess that's <laughs> this seems a little crazy to me, you know. Like well, I mean, but sometimes there's you know, it doesn't take it. A, a lot for a guy to drop or for word to kind of get around that, hey, there's this worry, and then it's like, okay, when you're drafting, sometimes there's a lot of pressure on the team drafting, like, hey, we can't make a mistake on this pick. We had some mistakes um in some previous drafts, and this might cost our job. So you know, he wasn't going to be the safe pick because of that. So Montreal yeah. decided, we'll take a chance. We're good. And it really wasn't taking much of a chance, I don't think. Huh. Good for them. Yep. Uh, what else you got, Jack? Anything, any final 
questions? Um, no, I guess the, oh, the only thing I have left that's not so much prospect-wise, it's because um, I heard you and Mike talk about this on Hockey Buzz back at the beginning of the season, and it's been it's been going around the flyer circles a lot, and I just get everybody's take on it. Uh, obviously, you mentioned earlier, instead of getting a certain defenseman, we could be in the top 10, and I think we saw ourselves before the season in the top 10. Obviously, the team's outperforming that. Some people think it's, you know, oh, the rebuild's over. It's the end of the world, being dramatic, obviously. Uh, I know Mike was saying at the time that it didn't look good, it, that we were doing it wrong or Flyers were doing mm-hmm. it wrong. Um, like, where, where do you sit on that, basically? Some people just want to start all the prospects, have no veterans, and, you know, figure it out and get bad picks or get bad and get good picks and whatnot. And where do you sit with all that? Well, I, here's where I sit. I sit with wanting to give um, – prospects a chance to develop this year for sure. So we're 25 games in, right? Yep. And the Flyers are winning. So now there hasn't been a ton of development. Like Forrester is a guy that's been around a little bit, but okay, he's developing. Fine. Zamula, I mean, begrudgingly, Tortorella throws him in once in a while. And I don't think he's played as bad as Torts has said. And honestly, to be really fair about it, you know, I don't even know if he didn't have the stipulation that if he got sent down, somebody could grab him on waivers, where he would even be getting any playing time or much playing time at all. Mm-hmm. So I think they're trying to figure out if they're going to want to keep him for the future. So right now he's getting that time. There are people doing well in Lehigh, like even Lixell. I would put him in right away. This guy's hot as a firecracker, but you know he's getting sat the first game. There's no way Torts is putting him in because he's like, well, you know, he hasn't gone through practice. Like, there are things that they do, and and I think the coach makes excuses to not have to play the young players. Like, if you're going to tell me, even when Belpedio was playing well, and he played better than I thought he would, and I don't think he's a long-term flyer either, and that's my other thing is I want some of these spots to be filled by guys that could be there long-term. And so Stahl's not going to be there long-term. Delorier, not much longer. Hathaway, not that much longer. And I get it. You need to have some guys to bridge the gap. But you also, you can make an argument when Frost wasn't playing, there was a very good argument that he was better than guys in the lineup. And I still can make you the argument that, you know, there's guys in Lehigh, there's defensemen there. Like if you want to say Ronnie Adder, I would rather have Ronnie Adder in there than Mark Stahl most nights. So, and that doesn't mean Mark Stahl should never play again. And and honestly, who thinks Nick Delorier is having a good season? I don't. And so that means I have to put Scott Lawton once in a while on the fourth line just so I can get in a young guy and put him on the third line because they're not a fourth line player. I would do that. But again, Torts has his rules and he's like, well, he's a top six guy or well, he's a top nine guy and he doesn't touch that fourth line that he loves. I've seen this before out of him. So I think the organization has the right idea of what they want to do. And I don't think the coach is doing it exactly the way they want it, but they can't say anything because he's winning right now. But if you get to the point where you're at the 45 game mark and all of a sudden you're losing that little bit on the fastball and maybe you're six points out of the playoffs, but you're close to getting into the mushy middle. Are they then going to start doing the call ups and start trading out some of these guys? And I don't know. Like, but again, now you're 45 games into the season where some of these guys could have had a little bit more development. So I'm not suggesting putting, you know, rookies at every position. No. And I'm not suggesting making it so that it's no fun for the coach to try and win. But I do suggest that the way Anaheim's doing it is a good way to do it. Because when they were playing well, hey, they were playing well with guys that are going to be there for the future too. So that's the ultimate thing. It never works out perfectly, believe me. But 
you just don't want this season to end up where let's say they make the playoffs and they make the playoffs and they lose in the first round. Yes. There's a little bit to be gained by the playoff atmosphere. Certainly uh, it's better for the culture, but where does that really put you for the future for the draft? Well, now you definitely fell further than you wanted to in the draft. And yeah, you can make the argument. You'll get a good player. We talked about a good player, but you may not get, you know, a star player. And where is that going to suit you four years down the line, five years down the line? Because do you know that they're going to re-sign Carter Hart? I don't. Do you know that they're going to re-sign Konechny in a year? I don't. So some of those decisions will start to be made. And then you start looking at the lineup and saying, okay, who are the guys for the future? Well, some of those guys for the future may have lost some playing time this year. So that's, you know, that's the only thing I look at. And I'm not suggesting Luxell is a future guy for them, but I'm suggesting he deserves more than what the eight games he's gotten. I think if you played him like seven to 10 games in a row, definite spot, same line mates, or at least similar line mates, you might find out he's a pretty good player, but you need to find that out soon. So I guess the question. I'm sorry, Jack. No, I just one of the reasons I wanted to ask Russ, not just because I listened to Hockey Buzz and heard the conversation earlier in the year. I know you've dealt with uh, Torts before, obviously with New York and whatnot. And I appreciate that. You know, a lot of people are like, anytime a rookie comes along or gets sent down, a younger guy, I can't believe he didn't give him a chance. All this stuff. No. <laughs> and, but you could differentiate who actually mattered. Yeah. That, that that's where I I find the common ground. And it's weird. It's like it's hard to watch a game, especially against Pittsburgh. You know, take two from them and not be happy. But at the end of the day, no, I don't, you should I don't... be happy. Like taking two from Pittsburgh is good. There's there's no downside. The only thing is, though, again, if you now want to think that they're a playoff team, well, regulation mm-hmm. wins. You know, they're not like the highest in that. For and they've played an extra game, and these are games that they're winning in shootouts, which is a positive compared to you know recent history where they weren't good in shootouts. But are all those things going to keep going all year? Is Travis Sanheim going to continue to have over 26 minutes of time on the ice on average, which is more than six minutes than he played all last year on average per game? And I looked up the record. The record is Chris Pronger with just over 30 minutes. It was like 30.13. So, like, how do you think Sanheim can do that all year? <laughs> I, I think like we're Sanheim, starting to see that already. So. I think yeah, we're starting I'm to get the of- answer now. And I'm kind of counting on it because at the end of the day, I understand the assignment. I want to be drafting in the top 10. You know, yeah. it is what it is at the end of the day. But again, it, some people it's like panic button rebuilds over. <laughs> Might as well add yeah, it's it not over, life. but I think it's probably not the way everybody envisioned it, probably even including management. But what could they say? Right. And as you alluded to, like, when is it ever going to really be perfect? I do. Right. I do hope they figure it out. I do hope that Briere still moves players because I want to get gonna move players. No matter what, he's going to move players. Like, I even feel like even if they're in playoff position, they're still going to buy and sell. But I just think it's crazy to buy. Like, I'm even yeah. hearing some rumors that maybe they're interested in Hannafin. I don't know if that's true, but it wouldn't shock me if it's true. And so maybe if they get Hannafin, then they would move Walker. But again, I don't even know if Walker is a future piece. He's doing okay now in a small sample size. That's great. Maybe Torts has given him other value. I'd rather trade Walker for a second-round pick. Some people want to keep him, but then they're like, well, let's keep Walker, but trade Ristolainen. Well, how are you going to get any value out of Ristolainen when he hasn't played third pair? Nobody wants Ristolainen at that salary playing third pair. So you know what I mean? That's where there's, there's some issues here as far as 
the coach and management, how you're going to get the most value out of players. And for everyone that he's maybe adding value with, he's decreasing value in a couple of others. And that was my biggest issue with the frost sitting too. I'm like, if he's not a yeah. part of your future fans uh, plans, why are we going to devalue an asset? So, right. yeah, yeah. So I, I'm definitely with you on that one. We'll see how things shake out, but uh, I'm all for, you know, trade as many guys as you can that you don't see as part of the future and stock up on picks because I'm sure you look at the flyer farm system and like, yeah, they got a lot of good names potentially coming, but center depth could be an issue. And definitely center uh, depth is an issue. Uh, I also think that they need more defensemen. And I know there's probably fans <clears throat> that are rolling their eyes, but you know, defensemen that you're drafting this year, you're really not expecting for four years unless they all of a sudden are very accelerated and they can do great. So in four years, even Sandheim's contract is mostly, you know, a couple years left on it what, like three or maybe two or three years left on that. Cam York, you don't know what his next contract will be. You know what I mean? So you can't always count on just because you have a certain amount, you got to have more. No, I agree. I, I think they you can never have enough when it comes to defensemen, especially with no. how many guys don't pan out and the, un right. the unseen, the unknown that can happen to anybody. Yeah. Uh, and I, but I was gonna, yeah, they and they definitely need defense, particularly at the top, like a top kind of guy, right? I mean. There's no slight to Travis Sanheim. I think he's done a decent job. And I think he's a middle of the NHL or a little lower top pairing guy. But on a good team, he's a second pairing guy. And he's a decent second pairing guy, a good one. But again, they don't really have a top pairing defenseman. Cam York is not a top pairing defenseman. And so you're right. To get that guy, that's where you really can start making some 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 movement and and you see, I mean, when you, when you get those guys, and even Owen Power, who I think is having a really good year, he's not quite there yet. But you saw at his best, like an Ekblad, what he looked like as a top pairing guy. Like when you get that right guy, and I talked about Victor Hedman the other day on on NHL on um, yeah NHL radio, and you know, again, people after like two years were saying, oh, we don't know if this guy's a bust or not. And now, of course, he's one of the all time greats, and. He's nothing but a top pairing guy still, even at the age of 33. So when you get that guy, it's an amazing thing to get. Because if you're getting a top pairing guy in a trade, chances are he's older, like when the Flyers got pronger. And chances are you're not going to have him for very long. That's just the way this league is. They don't give up their top pairing guys. Yeah. And it took a lot to get pronger too. And even at that age, it still yeah. did dividends for the Flyers. So No, no, he did, but a short yeah. time. But again, I'd rather draft him. <laughs> that would that would be the ultimate way to do it, especially when yeah. you're in a rebuild, which the Flyers really have never done. So, right, uh, that's the only thing hold me back from all the, the happiness, quote unquote, this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. just look at what like Luke Hughes looks like for for the Devils. I mean, nobody would think Cam York's better than Luke Hughes right now, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so there is a difference, and that's not sliding Cam. Cam's a good talent. A really good talent, but there is a different levels when you get those guys, and you know it when you see it. Yeah, there's a tear, a tear drop to your difference, and yeah. I think we all recognize that. And fingers crossed, something somehow it works works itself out. I guess. Yep. New Jersey's made a couple of these sneaky. Well, I mean, they were kind of gifted. Oh, uh, Nemich, we haven't, Nemich. We haven't even seen Nemich yet at the NHL level, and yeah. he's doing really well in the AHL. He's another guy that could be a top pairing guy. And then, so I was, uh, I just was looking up Seamus Casey here. Have you had any, oh, yeah. have you had a chance to watch him at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's Casey's even great. another one. I'm really high on Casey. He'll be terrific in the world juniors again. He'll be one of the leaders. He uh, has a great motor, great speed, really terrific shot, 
really kind of underrated. I felt like he was a little underrated in his draft. What number did he go? Uh, he went 46 in the second Yeah, round. I, I had him as a first-round talent. I just thought, wow. And after I spoke to this kid and how smart he was and everything, and I think, yeah, I think the devil's got something good. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes you do get that guy. But he's not a first-pairing guy either. He's not. Yeah, so, I mean, we're looking at New Jersey with Nemich. He's right-handed shot. Uh, Seamus Casey, right-handed shot. And I don't know what Luke uses. Is. is he right-handed as well? I thought he's left-handed. Left-handed, yes. I mean, three studs right there, yeah. uh, just in, in one system. It's hard to come by. It is. I was I, like, I mean, I hate to give any credit to the Devils for anything, but when I saw they had those three guys in the system, I was impressed. Um, Everybody's impressed at that. Like, you just have to be. And yeah. they took a chance. Like they took Nemich over other guys, you know, and they made the right decision. I mean, it was definitely the right decision for them because now you look at it and you say, wow, they are really stacked on D for the next, that, you know, whatever amount of years. That was a Slavkovsky draft. Did he go one in yeah, that one? It was, yeah, yeah, I think it was because then it would have been, yeah, like Shane Wright instead of yeah, Nemich. Cool. Ah, that's right. Shane Wright yeah, dropped. Yeah. They had this big conference. Being on yeah, Sirius yeah. XM, we, we were near – the devil's table right next to the flyers table on the floor and then near the devils. And I saw when that pick was happening, all of the chatter that was going on and they were really deciding, are we going with right? Or are we going with, with Nemich? And they went with Nemich and I give him credit. Not that I, I think Shane Wright's going to be a really good player, but they, that was their player. And so, but they were making sure, right. They just, they got the group consensus. They were looking, I saw them looking at stuff. So they had, you know, their scouting reports. They were looking at everything. They wanted to make sure they knew how important that pick was. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I, I guess maybe they're not the only organization with balls, eh? No, listen. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look. I I was watching when when Mitchkov was on the board because I was like, are they going to take this guy? And you know, and I was watching how they were working it, and they made a decision pretty quickly. And that's when I realized, okay, they might be taking him here. And so when they did. Hey, I was the first one to give him credit because they had sort of, you know, breaking away from the way they would normally draft in the past. Oh, that's and, right. We were talking about that last year. Yeah. And that's so that right. was a big thing for me. I was like, okay, they're showing me something with this pick. And that's good because you had a value pick here that dropped and he could be a superstar player potentially. I don't know if he'll be a superstar, but he'll be a star for sure. Absolutely. And we all can't wait for that, man. Uh He's having a hell of a season over in Russia. Um, yeah, although we, there's a report out there he might have like pneumonia. I don't know if that's true. I saw not. that. They had something. That. There was something going on in China. I wonder if that spread over there. Yeah, I mean anybody can get it. I mean it's the yeah. winter. Anybody can it's get true. it. Hopefully he doesn't have it. But if he does, hopefully he gets better soon. But he's yeah. you know he's played really well up to this point. But again. I know there are fans that would say, hey, bring him over next year. I, I wouldn't bring him over next year. I would let him go at least one more year there. Then if I have to buy his way out of Russia, sure, I'm willing to do that. But there's still things he needs to do in his game. It's not like he's the top scorer in the KHL. You know, I mean, there's room for him to grow. Uh, I mean, Tom, and, you know, obviously, since we have, I mean, we're way over the, the 20 No, minutes, it's fine. So, um, when when – Earlier in the day, there were things in my schedule that I had to get set Got right. And if I okay. didn't, then my day would have just been weird. So that's the only <laughs> okay. reason I was kind of giving you a little time constraint. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we, uh, when I watch Michkov, and tell me what you see, because when I watch him, I'm not always 
impressed with what I see. Like obviously when he does the highlight real stuff, like the the kid, he's uh, he's going to be a star. So don't take me wrong in any way, but you can clearly see like sometimes you're like, eh, is he playing to the full ability right now or uh, what do you see when you watch Michkov play? Well, I'll tell you on my on my website nhldraftbuzz.com, um I did put up some like this year's information on Michkov and so one of the things is he is getting more assists this year, which I think is good because he's technically not like a true goal scorer. He could score goals, but I think it's a lot like Panarin. You ask Panarin to score goals, he could score you a few extra goals. But it's also the threat of you don't know what he's going to do on the ice that you want to remain in his game because Mitchkov can draw a crowd to him if he has the puck. And that's what you want. If all of a sudden Mitchkov is just a goal scorer and they know that, you know, they're going to sort of like slough off him a little bit and make him score and not, not worry about where he's going to pass to, but he's got great vision. He can make a lot of things happen. He's really good around the net. Like he, he is scoring a fair amount around the net. And that means sometimes off a play where he's just, you know, fast and getting to the net or getting around guys with some really good stick work. I haven't seen every one of his goals, but I was looking at a chart and I was looking at his stats and he's got He's got a motor that's great. He really does. And he also has a feistiness in him. Like, he's strong. He he's not just a, you know, a smaller guy. Like, he's he's a smaller, developed guy like Connor Bedard is. Like, Connor Bedard, you can call him a small guy, but if you really look at Connor Bedard, he is put together, man. And, you know, just the speed that you see off his wrist shot should tell you that he's put together. So, no, Mitchkov has a lot of great things. You know, there is a little caprice up in him for sure. I don't know if he's going to be better, but I know part of the reason Kaprizov was good. And I would get asked on the Buzzcast every year, Jack, right? What Once a year, Eck would ask me, what about Kaprizov? Is he really the best player outside the NHL? And I'd say yes. And then when he finally came over, he was. Like, he really was. But he also developed there. And he came over at the right time. And so that's the only thing with, with Michkov. I think you want to get him here at the right time. Now, did I think it was a little weird that Torch was saying he's kind of like building the offense for when he gets there? Yeah, I think that's kind of weird because you don't know who he's going to click with. He, the player that he clicks with may not even be on the Flyers yet. Okay. That may be a player that they pick up in free agency. You don't know. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like that, that's really hard to predict. One thing that you said that really stood out to me when I watched Michkov is he doesn't look like He's definitely not one of the bigger players out on the ice. Uh, and he, you're right. He's always around the goal. He's not afraid to go always. to the dirty spots. I love that about him. Yeah. Because uh, like, he could do all the pretty stuff. Yes. But, he, you know, if you're going to be at 35, 40, whatever. He knows where the high scoring areas are. Absolutely. And I put yeah. up some uh, like a expected goals number where he is around the net um, early in the season in the KHL. And it's really impressive. Like he right now he's impressing me. But he's not impressing me to the point where I say, yeah, he should be in the NHL next year. Because, again, now if he were leading the league in scoring, I'd have a different different tune, especially on the team he's playing on. But he's not. So I'm like, you know what? Give him another year. Let him go another year. I think it's better for him. Let, you know, and, and of course, you don't know what's going to happen with the Flyers in another year. I'm sure Goche will be on the team next year. You don't know if he's going to click with Michkov. You don't, we, none of us know that. So one of them will be on the first line. One of them might be on the second line. 
And it's not because Goche can't play. It just might be because he doesn't click with Mitchkov. And if he doesn't, you put him on a different line. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's the, you know, that's you won't find that out until he gets here. I think selfishly, we all want him over as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, no, I get but it. But I can totally, I totally get it, though. That's not even development wise. That's Russia wise. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost if there's an opportunity, just take him and figure the rest out. But I, other than that, I totally agree with you. You know, like here's an example, right? Let's say, let's say a guy like Buchnevich, who I think maybe has one year left with the Blues, <clears throat> is a free agent. And Mitchkov goes, Hey, I'd like to play with that guy. Maybe the Flyers go, all right, you know what? Let's get Buchnevich because that could be a really good combination because he could score goals and Mitchkov can set him up, but he could also score goals. And you get another Russian player in there, a veteran, could work out really well. You know, that wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, something like that. Totally fine. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to watch him play here, but uh, yeah, I mean – Listen, we'd all love to see him in the World Juniors. That's not to say uh, I don't understand what's going on in Ukraine and why they've done this to Russia. I do get it. I just feel bad that the players are kind of like pawns in this, and yeah, you know, it's, it's not their fault. Right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Gautier. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be a center in the NHL? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. And I don't uh, think right away, like if he comes at the end of the year and gets to play at the end of the season, is Torts going to put him in as a center? I doubt it. I have like a weird feeling they're going to try to see what he does and then maybe start him out center next year. And it's not going to work out, but I don't want to say they're putting like a square peg in a round hole, but when you watch him, you're like, not a center. No, he he's dynamic off the wing. And I think he knows that it's just that he wants to play center. So, you know, they're letting him do that, but they've already moved the USA line up to the top line. Uh, for BC because of Will Smith. Like he's more of a natural center. It's not a slight on Goche and, mm-hmm. you know, and Goche is having a great season, but you know, for people that want to overblow that, I say, go look at Celebrini's numbers. Goche doesn't have those numbers. So right. obviously there's still things that he can, you know, get better at. And there is a talent level difference even between those guys, because the younger guy has more of a superstar capability than, than the other guy. But I still think Goche could be a star, and he's definitely going to be a goal scorer. And I think off the wing, you're just you're asking him to just score ro- more regularly right away. I think that was the problem with Cates. It's like he's not going to be a high goal scorer. I've watched him his whole career. I mean, he's been able to play different roles. At Duluth, they had him as a scorer. Then they had him as a shutdown guy. Then they had him as an everything guy. Whatever they needed him to do that season to win a championship because that team was winning championships, he did. And he's kind of doing that for the Flyers, too. But when he plays center, it definitely hurts his offense. And especially yeah. right this moment. I don't know if he's more than a 35-point guy anyhow. But he's gonna. it's going to be harder for him to reach that as a center, I think. Because he knows that he the coach is sort of expecting him to be this shutdown guy and win faceoffs. Yet then when the coach says, I'd like to see more offense out of him, it's like, I think you're asking too much. I think, you know, there's a limit to every player. I wonder if that could almost impede development a little bit because while he's trying to figure the center position out, he could be perfecting his position on the wing, if that makes sense, you know? Well, it didn't impede Couturier because that's how Laviolette used him, right? Okay. And he used him, right? Wasn't it Laviolette as a shutdown guy? Uh, either Laviolette or was it Baruby maybe too? No, it was, it was, it was Laviolette. Was it Laviolette? Yeah, it was Laviolette. They, had yeah. the, they had the playoff run in there. Right. Okay. 
Right. So he used him as a shutdown guy, and he was great at it. Started to still be a shutdown guy the next year, but then all of a sudden, hey, Sean Couturier can really play this game. Let's take advantage of his offense, too. And so then they started, you know, letting him have more offensive chances, and it made a big difference. So, and neither, trust me, Cates is never going to be Couturier. But I am saying is there could be a point where they could put him in better offensive chances. And I think the team is trying to do that now. But as a center, I just think it's harder for him. I think as a winger, because of how smart he is, I think it would get there quicker. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I have one more question for you. And this sure, kind of came up during, during our chat. We have a group chat and whatever. And I'm yeah, just yeah. kind of kicking stuff around. I don't think you're making them up, so. <laughs> and so with Gautier on his way and obviously Meechkov and Forrester is starting to come into his zone, um, Flyers have an abundance of maybe uh, score first wingers. And I was kind of asking the, the chat because I wasn't so much impressed with Tippett the other night. And we're just kind of kicking stuff around. Does Tippett have a, a place on this roster for the future? And then Dave also kind of wants to know your thoughts on Tippett here. Yeah, but so yeah. as far as like asking about when he plays with energy, is he a force? He's definitely a force in the sense that he's getting scoring chances. But the one thing I've outlined with Tippett that I still believe in and he hasn't broken it yet, if he gets the puck and know he does not have to think about it, it's all instinctual, he'll score a goal. If he is trying to make a play or – he thinks about it for like a second. He usually misses the net or has a not as great scoring chance. There was a chance the other night where he literally was trying to jam it in the side of the net and it was completely covered. And he just, you know, and, and because he ran out of real estate. And I think the more he thinks, the worse his goal scoring gets. But I also think, again, and I've been trying to drive this home, I think someone needs to work with him. His shooting percentage is not good. He misses the net way too much for the amount of scoring chances he gets. I think this guy could be a 30-goal scorer if he could hit the net 15% more of the time. But if not, I think he's always going to be that 20 to 27 guy and never break 30 because he's just not going to be accurate enough. And then there's going to be a point, like last year, there were some games where he was getting over 20 minutes, right? And he got those 27 goals. There's going to be a time when the Flyers look at him and say, okay, we want you to score 20 goals, but we can't give you 20 minutes a game anymore. This team is good now. You might only get 14. Can you score 20 and 14? He's going to have to get a little better to do that. Right now, that pressure is not on him, but it's going to be. And, you know, he's only signed for one more year. I, I had heard through whatever grapevine that they were looking to sign him a little longer term. Um, but he, I guess his camp chose to go with the two, the salary cap yep. raising, whatever. Because well, I think they were betting on themselves and they figured yep. if he was going to get all this playing time, he'll have another career year. But I, so far, the stats don't bear that out. He's no. going to have to get hot. Now, maybe he will, but I think the problem is with Couturier there and Atkinson there, he's losing some opportunity no matter what. That's just, it's just a fact. That's a great point. And we were kind of wondering, you mentioned Lixell earlier. Yeah. Atkinson, in my opinion, looks kind of like a step behind. Maybe he's one of these guys. Yeah, he's, he's not quite there. Off. He was good at the beginning, and now he's sort of chugging a little bit. Yeah. Um, Lixell, like that's a perfect example. So when he gets his chance, quote-unquote chance, how many minutes is he going to get in the game? Ten? Yeah. Right. 
and they're going to be expecting him to put up points in 10. Like, that's it. Like, that's right, I get what you're he's going to have to do something with that. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. Atkinson's minutes here. Atkinson, I think, needs a breather. Uh, to put it to put it politely, I think, because yeah, you know, he's been around. He's a good guy that, and everything. I'm not against that. I like. I I would like it if they did the sports medicine take a little bit more on it with with Couturier and Atkinson. As good as Couturier looks right now, how is he going to look in Game 47 if he never really takes any games off? Taking practices off is all well and good, but they're going to need to take some games off too. These guys have not played a lot in the last couple of years, and Torch just has them going, going, going. And I get it. He's going to use whoever's there. If they say they're available, he's going to use them. And hockey players rarely, especially a guy like Couturier and Atkinson, they're never going to say, you can't put me in. But somebody's got to say, look, we need to save these guys. You know, Atkinson could get traded. So that's that's a different story. But Couturier still has a long-term deal, and you don't want to wear him out this year. I said something very, very similar that, uh, you know, that maybe they put a games cap on him. I, I don't know. Maybe you take, maybe you play coots up to the trade deadline. And then the last 15 or so games you hand it over to the younger guys. And yeah. I mean, you could ease them out of it at that point. There, right. There's a way to do it for sure. But I think right now, I don't think there is a plan for that. I don't, I haven't seen it other than to give them maintenance days in practice, which is fine, but I don't think it's enough. And like you said, I mean, we could see there's a change in Atkinson already. Yeah, she's definitely uh, at least a step behind. That's to put it yeah. politely, I think. But at the beginning of the year, for the first four or five, he was great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could just see it. he was just getting beat to spots. And uh, there, there's one example that kind of sticks out in my head where there's a line change and Forrester's kind of stuck on. And he's just waiting for the guy to take his spot. He's like, where the hell yeah. is he? And it's, and it's Atkinson. Uh, I don't know. Great guy, so I don't want to say anything negative, but you can clearly yeah. see, yeah, give him a game or two off, you know, let him get his legs back or whatever's whatever's going on. And the so, other thing is they need to stop cheating on um, getting guys on the ice early because they've gotten caught the last two games. Clearly somebody told the refs, keep an eye on this with the Flyers, and they're getting caught. Yeah. They, did they get called for two of those last game or was it just the one? No, I think it was just one, but yeah. I think one in each of the last two. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So something to keep an eye on there. Um, Russ, I think that's that's all we got for you. I mean, we kept you for a good 40, 45 minutes tonight. Thanks for hanging out. Hey, anytime. It was good combo. Appreciate it. So you have, Thanks, a, you have a new site. Uh, you, you mentioned it earlier in the show. Do you want to talk that up yeah. a little bit before we let you go? Yeah, NHLDraftBuzz.com. Uh, we'll eventually have my draft list. I'll probably put it up either in the middle or at the end of the World Juniors. But in the interim, I talked about some of the defensemen. I do things called draft flashbacks like I did with Michkov. I'm showing old draft videos that I've taken, like of Gauthier and Michkov is there, Clayton Keller. You know, so I even go further back. I've got some older ones even than that. So I might break out, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll break out Dan Blackburn. I don't know. There you go. Uh, or um, I'm trying to – oh, Stephen Weiss. I probably have Stephen Weiss too. Wow, my God, that's draft. a name. Yeah. So, but, I, you know, and it's just you say something, and I what I try and do is bring these – you know, the fans back to that draft. Like I say, you know, like the Dallas draft, I was like, that was the hottest draft we were ever at. We walked outside, we were like melting after we got out of the building, you know, just to get people like a feel for, you know, what it was like. So, you know, I have pictures that I can show from the, from the past. And then, you know, so I'm doing like draft flashbacks, current draft stuff. And then like even catching up with a player, I put Jaeger Ferguson on there, put his interview. He's scoring in an incredible clip right now in juniors and he's going to be on Canada and even in a little 
article I wrote, I said, I think he's going to be a big goal factor for team Canada. Cause he's just, he knows how to shoot, man. So, and if you listen to the interview, you'll find out like some of his secrets. He's not shy on telling you how he got to be a good scorer and he's a smaller guy. So he's, he's really uh, an impressive kid to watch. How cool is that, man? Yeah. If you guys are listening to the show, make sure you go check out the site. It's a, uh... It's a, it's a fun side. I mean, just the stuff that you're talking about yeah, with the Ozzy Ferguson. Like, I mean, that's fun. If you don't like the draft, don't go. It's fine. It's not for <laughs> you. But eventually you're going to want to see some of these players anyhow because they're going to be playing for your team or they're going to play for your team next year. And that's when I think I'll grab you. So, you know. This is the stuff people want, man. That people, I think fans are eating this stuff up now, especially when the you know Flyers are going through the rebuild yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's your one-stop shop. So make sure you guys check that out. It's, yeah, it's appreciate good it. stuff um yeah russ we'll let you go thanks for hanging out again i uh, appreciate the time all right and, uh, see you guys down the road take care yeah, sure we'll be seeing you soon thanks russ all right i was pulling up the site look at oh young balkan yeah yeah actually almost uh there. didn't look so ugly the redhead is probably a flyer uh yeah <laughs> tip it maybe i think so um kind of funny Jack, you- yeah, so the, I mean, while I have the floor, there's one thing I wanted to clear up from earlier in the episode before Russ uh, jumped on. Um, it was more so about Carter Hart's play. How he said something along the lines that the Penguins didn't really look like they were uh, the scoring opportunities weren't too keen. I more so meant that Hart's positioning and when Hart is on, his positioning is he makes it look easy. He makes it look very easy because he's technically sound um there don't get me wrong there was times in the game that he played that uh he had to make some 10 bell saves i don't want to admit one of the biggest Carhart fans that are out there so i don't want to diminish his contributions to the to the team i just part of pittsburgh's woes particularly on the power play um that's more show what what i was uh poo-pooing in that in those regards um and interesting comments from russ obviously i couldn't help myself I had to ask about the rebuild, how it's being done with Tortorella. It's a problem I think we all had in the back of our minds when he was hired. Um, we know what he does. We've seen him do it, getting the best out of players, particularly in Columbus, uh, overachieving. And when you're rebuilding, it's tough to have to overachieve when you're trying to get a high draft pick. The caveat to that, we saw how bad a team can be when the – uh, emphasis on winning is not there and it becomes a country club style of atmosphere. So hopefully they can navigate those waters uh, and you know still develop players and not revert back to the Vorcheck days. And yes, that's why I decided to call it the Vorcheck days. <laughs> Vorcheck days. You know. Um, what do we miss? Do we miss any of our topics here? Right, we touched on Forrester. We touched on Bonk, Barky, Booyam. Who I love, and then uh, I pronounced it Booyam. I, I was trying to say it back to Russ, and I was like, "A uh, player <laughs> you mentioned earlier, the B guy. He's still a little too new to me." Yeah, yeah. You seem very happy with him, Jim. Very happy, huh? You you're already, watch? you're already like. What I liked is he goes, "Yeah, the way things are going, probably right around where the Flyers will draft." I'm like, Jim's already, he's already bought in. He's like, "We're not getting a top ten pick." So yeah. this is my guy. This is my guy. Well, if you keep playing the way he is, he's definitely going to be top 10, 15 guy. I mean, uh, yeah, I, well, I don't want to geek out over this kid. He's 17 years old, though, and Russ mentioned he was a running back in high school or whatever. I mean, 
you know, he's got a little tenacity to him, but he's he's very smart and he's got some offense. Uh, the only thing I'm wondering is, does he take Cam York's spot? Does Cam York have a future with this team? We'll see. I don't want to, you know, speculate, yada, yada. But, you know, when you draft these guys, I think you have to have an idea of where they're going to be in the lineup. And, uh, you know, if he's five, he's listed hockey DB, who I might not be using it that much anymore. Uh, after tonight, has him listed 5'10", 165. Uh, but he'll, he'll grow in whatever. So, so it's really like, weird, it's, like uh, it's like the weather with the size. If he's listed at 5'10", he's anywhere from 5'8 to 6'2". Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, he does look like one of the smaller guys on the ice, but he, he doesn't play small, you know, which is uh, always fun. So uh, I'm, I, I feel like we had one other oh, – yeah, we had some towards comments. So the – I think Torts was asked about the rivalry with the Penguins, and I won't. We won't keep this episode going on too much longer. I just wanted to touch on this real quick. And typically, I agree with a lot of the things that Torts says, uh, but the, this comment not so much. So he had, he had said something to the tune of "This is not a rivalry yet," and I disagree because it is a rivalry. It just hasn't really existed the last few years. Um, it's a rivalry to all Flyers fans. Um, whenever they play the Penguins, it's we. You know, do you remember we used to be really excited for to play the Penguins, and then we just you know we've sucked for a couple years. Well, the Flyers are getting good again, or at least right now they're playing really well. <laughs> excited? I would get serious bouts of anxiety. Right. I'm like I I know I, at least a chair or two is going to be thrown tonight, and that could be <laughs> the three nothing win. You know, right. I, I, that's just how I am with that team and how. They've been handed everything just the way things have, you know, sh shaken out. You know, it's like a tale of two cities and I see one be handed everything and the other one struggle mightily. And, uh, you know, it just, it just irks me. And Crosby, just the way he used to talk, I, I, I don't like them. I don't like <laughs> because you sound more like a sissy in a, in a conversation where you're trying to say you don't like the other guys. Like, geez. And, the, and then the, the NHL, you know, Batman backs this guy and don't get me wrong the talent's all there man it, it just it's hockey it's not other sports you know so it, that always irks me on top of the actual play on the ice and you wrote Latang down here and i didn't know why he wrote that but it reminded me of the 2012 playoffs where this pansy ass who just recently punched somebody who couldn't defend themselves with his glove on. And it reminded me when he attacked 36 year old chemo team in it in the playoffs. Cause he, I guess he couldn't get his hands on anybody else. Please might've been chemo's only fight, you know, and you know, they obviously tussled and he wound up on the better end of that players like that. Just absolute sissies, just everything that irks you about a hockey player and how they're douchebags and they do this and they do that. Like nothing tough about them. Obviously skillful, but just it's just the epitome of, of all that. And it'll always be because of that, it'll always and before that, even it'll always be a rivalry. I mean, I go back to Darius Kasparitis for God's sake. So it'll always be a rivalry. However, understanding that teams are in different places. All the Flyers are doing right now are playing spoiler in a sense to what Pittsburgh's trying to do with the last years of Crosby and Malkin and whatnot. I thought I, I, I get that. Why? I think that's what Tortorella meant is what I should say in my, in my opinion, because it'll always be a rivalry. 
Right. Yeah, you're right. And maybe he's like trying to build it up a little bit like, ah, we're not there yet, blah, blah, blah. And like, we get it. Like the Flyers haven't been good, but. Look, I, I, I don't miss an opportunity to shit on Pittsburgh if given the if right. given the opportunity. Like, I'll go on a rant. Like, what was I even talking about for 10 minutes there? I just was shitting on that. T- I hate them. And other people older than me will do the same thing about the Rangers. I do. I used to do with the Devils too a little bit, but you know, like the Penguins are the ones that I remember more recently, I guess. So yeah, it's it, it'll those those teams always be a rivalry. I, I can't say the same with Washington. You, you know, teams like that or or Carolina, and you could say, well, they're on a division. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, there's the teams that the Flyers will always have a rivalry with. It's the Devils. It's the Rangers. It's the Penguins. I th- yes, it's the Islanders that goes back to the 80s. You know, like those are like the, the core four. You know what I mean? Like the, they just those teams. Yep. And um, <laughs> this is the, that rivalry will always be there. And it's it's because it's more than just a division rival. It's it's different. Totally agree. And so I just thought, you know, because I, I like torts. thought those comments were a little even though I understand where he's coming from. It's a rival. It's a rivalry. Towards Pittsburgh, <laughs> Philadelphia, Penguins, Flyers rivalry. You know, I don't try to downplay it or whatever. Good guys, bad guys, Jedi, Sith. We don't like, like it. It's, yeah. it's 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 there. It's it's right there. You mentioned Latang. I think I wrote him in there because in that first game, you know, Sean Couturier's had a couple back surgeries, and Latang comes up from behind Couturier an unexpected Katuria and cross checks him twice in the back, you know, and Katuria kind of falls a little awkwardly where he's like, you know, falls face first and the little guy standing directly in front of him. And it's like, man, how much of a fucking asshole do you got to be to do that? Like the, like these guys aren't dumb. They know when the guys got hurt, they know what kind of, especially a player like Katuria to do what you did to him, where you did it to him. Pissed me off. That was bullshit league, man. And like that's Latang. That's Latang's game. That that's is. most penguins games. I it was a 2012 playoffs where we upset them and beat them. That um he's not with the team anymore. I'm not geez, I'm not even sure where he is. I can't player's name escapes me. It was a dead play whistle and couturier. He was young, 18, 19 year old, is looking back like this, skating this way. And James Neal, that's who it was. And mm. he just rocked, rocked him for no reason. Like, you know, he couldn't see a uh, defenseless, you know, again, it's in the playoffs, but just, just straight. It wasn't during play when the whistles are dead and you're not in a scuffle for no reason. Like there's no room for that. Like th- that is typical. Play- and this is an out of time where the league has done everything to take away the players on ice from policing the games themselves. Like they used to sure. It can happen a little bit, but it's nothing like it used to be, you know? And so to see a team like that, always have players like that at last 15 years, at least, you know, and always do shit like that. And to see the tanks like you're, you're just a, you're the biggest scumbag you were when you went after 36 year old team. And then like, what is he still candy from a baby shoot foot fish in a barrel too? Like, she's it's just that that is so penguins and they're such pansy asses. And I can't, It'll always be a rivalry. Yeah, he just hasn't changed. Like, uh, the guy's had two strokes. You know what I mean? Like, maybe he lost some brain cells in the process. Uh, anybody watching's had a stroke. Sorry, no offense. Yada, yada. I'm just, you know. Jim is just trying to get canceled. Just trying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck with that. Um, all right. Well, I think we covered everything, Jack. Uh, we've kind of 
kept the, I mean, you're sick over there. Barely have a voice and we've probably done our longest show in all season long. So we wrap this one up. So you get some tea or something in you. Um, <laughs> everyone. Thanks for hanging out. As always, we have Slaypool, Eric Wisniewski, Dave, and was there one more that stuck his way in? No. Uh, I want to give a huge thanks to our guest, Mr. Russ Cohen. Make sure you guys go check out his new site. It's uh, very informative. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun over there. Uh, Russ has been around for a long time. Can talk to you about the draft for forever. So we're going to wrap this one up. The Flyers play again. I believe it's Thursday night against the Arizona Coyotes, who have won. Well, the last I looked, they've won like five straight, six straight, all against so- the last Cup champs. Our oh, that I didn't know, but our records are eerily similar. Like Flyers are 13, 10, and two. I think they're either 13, 9, and two or 12 to something like that. And we are both like six, three, and one in our last 10 games. Like they are just, sh- but yeah, no, it looks like Phoenix is uh, or Arizona is uh, racking up some wins against some good teams. So it should be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and I believe they have Colorado Saturday. Speaking of Colorado, Zach's checking in. Zach, good to see you, buddy. Uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks Absolutely. for the show. We appreciate you for hanging out. So yes. let's wrap this one up. We'll let Jack go get some tea, and I'll go grab some dinner. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, have a good weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Weekend. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Jeff Hackett. <laughs> That's a good one, actually.